When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska. Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We got the Huskies out, the sled, and we mushed our way into the studio. Uh, we are located in Lincoln. Hope you're safe out in central Nebraska and northeast Nebraska and, of course, around here in the capital city. Next couple of hours, plenty of pigskin to get into and a lot of pro big red uh, representation for Super Bowl 55. Some thoughts on Tampa and Tom Brady and, of course, the black shirts that are going to be staying home for the Super Bowl. And, of course, the Chiefs doing what they do as they are back to, uh, as Mitch uh, Holtis said, run it back. Chance to defend the title. Some college football thoughts uh, on Nebraska football. Coach Charlie McBride, one hour away. Mr. Blackshirt will join us. The latest on Avante Dickerson with Greg Smith. Recruiting insider with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Also an hour, too. And I assume he is just firing up the snowblower now. Some NFL thoughts and uh, big red takes from Blackshirt Jay Moore in about 20 minutes. Can join us today, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Email chris at halevarsity.com and uh, be sure to... uh, Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So uh, you have uh, issues this morning and into the afternoon if folks are traveling. And I know it was getting a a bit funky uh, as I turn and peek outside the studio window now. It's still coming down a bit. And when the hell is this thing supposed to to taper off? Six, seven, never, 3 a.m.? I know that eight of the ten buses around Lincoln, and I can't tell you the last time I rode a bus, that said, uh, I mean, it, it's it's not great in some areas. I am, am fearful of what my neighborhood will be like. But once I got on the, the main roads, wasn't bad. Elijah, you didn't get stuck at all. You got dropped off because you're the smartest man in America. Yeah, uh, I got lucky. Um, my roommate took a half day at work. Um because he wanted to get home before you know now mm. um so so he, he, he comes home with his uh with his truck uh-huh. and i go you wouldn't believe this but i, I need to you find a believe way to get this to work. but there's a six pack of bud heavy with your name on it exactly if you drive me here and come get me at six so uh yeah hopefully he actually shows up at 6 30 uh to come pick me up whenever we're done around here but i got in here safely i'm still feeling good looks like i'm looking at the weather forecast right now looks like we're still 
right winter in the middle of the, <laughs> right in the middle of the whole winter storm. Yeah, so uh, that's it. Junior's already been sledding. Mm. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like maybe I should go hit some some f- fresh powder out at Holmes Lake. You know, go get the snowboard out, pretend I'm on the mountain. <laughs> Why, yeah, because yeah, I can just see you on, on the edge of of the dam with Home Lake. With Holmes Lake, and and you've got your Carhartt stocking hat on, you've got your furry winter coat on, and then you're just sitting there on your snowboard, and there goes Elijah down the hill. See if I could uh, target some small children in their sleds. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) They should should be at home anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, there we go. There we go. Let's see if we can target some small children. Uh, on, a, on a Monday, right? No, <laughs> listen, man, I was driving in and I'm I'm a horrific driver and my wife will back me up on this claim. But even so, there's a guy in front of me and, and I don't know what what he was doing other than peeling out. And, and I felt bad for him because he had one of those cargo vans, like the windowless cargo van. It was white. And he had his... He had his window cracked because he was he had a heater going I mean, he could smell the smoke but every time he tried to to go he would just gun the hell out of it and he's spinning and fishtailing and this was even over some plowed areas and i i just couldn't for the life of me figure out why you just didn't go low and slow there's no race here with getting from a to b in this planet hoth we're experiencing right now i just don't i just don't get it like i just don't get you have zero traction your visibility probably sucks you still got that camel non-filter going (laughs) you don't need to hit the hammer bro (laughs) it's not like you were going uphill um that's not as bad though as my roommate who has a uh a mustang gt Ooh, uh, rear-wheel drive, right? Well, he had a, a rear-wheel drive uh, Ford Ranger, and it eventually... So did I at one point. It, 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 it was no good. broke down, and it was terrible in the snow, and so he upgraded his snow driving to an even worse car in the snow and a Mustang. So he, so your buddy sold the rear-wheel pickup that needs 4 million pounds of sand in back, and uh-huh. it still don't work, and he said, hell, I'm going to go with a Mustang. <laughs> yeah. You got stuck in the driveway, I Of course swear. he did. <laughs> we may have to make an emergency phone call to Junior, Uh to, to at least unbarricade the driveway. <laughs> mm, mm. Well, it's nice is you probably got, he's probably good car pushing age now. Or if you get stuck, you can just stick him in the back. You can stay in the driver's seat and he'll push you. No, no, he, he's he's he just he will sit and laugh and probably get his phone out and film me <laughs> losing it. Uh, numbers to get in four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Let's start with some NFL. We'll get to some Nebraska thoughts uh, with uh, Coach Frost. Just specifically on the on the quarterback turnover issues, but we'll we'll get it kicked off here with with Green Bay and uh, Tampa. Aaron Rodgers, somebody uh, shot his puppy yesterday. I mean, he's he's dejected. He's disappointed. He's seven and eight in 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 postseason action, and, and he's right there so many times in his career in the NFC championship and he has won super, he has won a super bowl and and he's so good he's so talented but man just it wasn't his day yesterday uh, there's the backlash of coach LaFleur 
and, and his game management. Here's Aaron Rodgers yesterday after the loss and completely soul crushed. A lot of guys' futures that are, you know, uncertain, you know, myself included. Uh, that's what's sad about it most. Getting this far, obviously, there's going to be an end to it at some point, whether we make it past this one or not. But just the uncertainties is tough and the finality of it all. Listen, um, th- there will be an end to it. Was, was yesterday the end for, for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay? And, you know, I look at things and I look at the play calling and I look at <laughs> the, the science and data side of things versus what does your gut tell you to do on fourth down? I know that people are what their identity is and you win a lot of football games with the offense of Green Bay, okay? I, they're really, really good. They're really talented. But for the life of me, and this is, maybe I'm too old of a guy, but Elijah, am I alone? Did too many teams just flat out abandon the run game inside the 10? They feel like they got to throw it. And listen, Rodgers had guys open a couple of different times and just missed them. He just missed him. But just from covering Nebraska, you know about red zones, right? Just how hit or miss it can be. Green Bay does it at about the highest level there is. Now, Tampa's defense was really good yesterday. But you're just hell-bent on, on throwing the football in in the NFL. That's just, that's just what it is. Even Kansas City, they won't run it in a lot of the times. I thought, I thought Green Bay's best chance – right before they kicked the field goal, was that third down where Rodgers was able to step up and move out of the pocket, and I thought he could have ran at an angle towards the pylon, and he tried to throw it late back against his body over the middle, and it was incomplete. Sue had gotten some penetration. Uh, You had Jason Pierre-Paul kind of off a ways away, and then you had both linebackers right at the goal line. Now, I don't know that Rodgers would have gotten it. I think the closing speed of, of, of Pierre Paul, I think Sue rumbling after, I mean, that could have ended very ugly if Sue would have got a hold of him from behind and would, he would have ripped his head off. Plus, the linebackers would have abandoned, he would have been beyond the line of scrimmage at that point, would have abandoned their coverage to go try and deliver a shot before the goal line. But to me that was your best that was your that was your shot, right? That was your shot to try and scramble and get it instead of making your coach make a decision at 4th and 8. The analytics have been crucified for the last 24 hours. I get it. And in that position, you have you have choices. Do you trust Aaron Rodgers? Do you trust your defense? Do you trust or do you not think Tom Brady's the greatest and will just kill this clock? I mean, it's never just one play. It's never even one decision. But Tampa carved up Green Bay all day on third down. Green Bay, offensively, because of what Tampa was able to do defensively, did an amazing job after turnovers. How many times do you throw three interceptions consecutively and give up six points? 
Points off turnovers yesterday for Tampa was 14. It was six for Green Bay. There's your difference in a five-point ball game. Mm -hmm. But with Lafleur, I thought it was chicken bleep to kick the field goal and and not allow Rodgers to try and win it for you. As well as the Green Bay defense played in the second half, that's still an ask, okay, In, in an offensive football era. It's still an ask to get your defense to get three stops and a punt, even with three timeouts and a two-minute warning. You went the wrong way. And it's going to be branded on your tombstone unless you win a championship in Green Bay if you're Lafleur. That's just the breaks of it. That's the legacy. And I, for one, hate the decision to kick it and try and get a stop. Go big or go home. And you can get killed for your play call on fourth down. You can get killed for your execution on fourth down. But at least you're going for it and you're giving your quarterback, the MVP, a chance to win it on fourth down against that Tampa defense. And as mobile as he is, I would have gone with some run-pass option where I get a tight end out in the flat. You saw Buffalo run it. You see Kansas City run it. Green Bay is really good with the quick game or, or at least the roll. And that's what I would have done. That's exactly what I would have done. We'll hear from Lafleur in a minute, but I, I just, you just, there's, there's three choices, and you pick the wrong one. Mm-hmm. I mean, these NFL coaches are making millions of dollars, yet they still seem to be making just the wrong decisions. Why, why, why would you ever give the ball willingly back to Tom Brady with a little over two minutes left in the game and tell him, "Hey, you can get one first down, you can ice this game." You're giving that ball to the greatest of all time. I, I, I get the argument of, oh, I can, I can trust my defense in this situation. But you Not don't do that. that guy. You don't do that against Tom Brady. You never trust your defense against Tom Brady. Well, and, and what happened? Defensively, what? A defense? There was assault going on all game. There was grabbing and holding and clutching, and it wasn't called. And both teams got away with it. The defensive backs had, had a, a, a lot of fun pinata time. All right. And when push came to shove, you get that that pass interference call uh, as as Johnson. Maybe it was catchable. Maybe it wasn't. I mean, it, it didn't look catchable, but he tripped up. And, and I thought it was more of him tripping versus the defender uh, uh, messing with him. And I and I, I just can't believe I mean, and that's the other outcry. Right. Is the defensive pass interference call. Uh, with with uh, Kevin King. Kevin King's going to need a for sale sign in Green Bay because he got beat by Scotty Miller at the end of the first half for the touchdown, and he got nailed for that phantom pass interference call. And and I know there, I know a lot of Packer fans, too, that are just irate. I know more Vikings and Bears fans that are smiling about this. But when, when push comes to shove, Aaron Rodgers made sure yesterday that it wasn't on me. It really wasn't my call. And he made that abundantly clear. He was understandably frustrated and upset and in high pout mode yesterday. I understand the thinking above two minutes with uh, all of our timeouts, but yeah, it wasn't my decision. Third down play call. You had two guys on different pages. Head coach, quarterback, Rodgers had the play call on third down, thinking that we have four downs to get this handled, to try and take the lead. Matty allowed me to call that third down play. 
um, if I had known we were going to kick it, if we didn't get it, you know, maybe something else would have been, uh, uh, maybe gone with uh, some sort of, uh, you know, crossing routes maybe there uh, instead. But I thought we, you know, maybe we're going to have four chances to go. Not the case. So Tampa is off to the Super Bowl. Levante David and Dominican Sue, his second Super Bowl in three seasons. Khalil Davis and uh, the pride of Fremont, Jason Light, the general manager. Coach McBride and, and, and GM Jason are, are close, so we'll spend some time on, on him with Coach McBride here in about uh, well, a little less than an hour now on Hale Varsity Radio. Some Nebraska football thoughts coming up. The uh, extended list of Tennessee candidates. Did you or your buddy chip in for the McGregor fight? Or did you just pirate it online? Are you asking me? I'm, I, I don't want you to incriminate yourself. We chipped in for the fight, but then ESPN had some streaming issues, so a little yes, bit of Yes, they did. Jay Moore's up next on Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run, and NFL vet. He's Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt, Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Big shout-out to the fire department. The Lincoln Fire Department has the fire plows out. Pretty sweet. Didn't even know it was a thing. Dude, they need to hammer the area around South Campbell's Nursery. Please. <laughs> I'm going to have a six-pack, some vodka, and uh, something to put in the air fryer tonight. I'm going to be stuck 14 blocks from my house trying to get home. Unless Black Shirt Jay Moore rolls over with his snowblower. Jay Bird, how are you? I'm good. I could, I could, I'd be happy to swing on by with my snowblower. I just got it uh, taken care of, fixed, and it's ready to roll. So, are you just crushing every? Are you crushing everybody in the neighborhood in a good way? <laughs> you know, I've been out once. I got the sidewalks, got some of the neighbor sidewalks done, and then you know, get mine. But I need, obviously need to get back out here in the next hour or so to hit it again because it's. I mean, it literally hasn't. I mean, everyone knows that stopped snowing for. <laughs> like eight hours uh, well this is, a, this is a good one is there a neighbor that you kind of point your snowblower at you know that isn't that, that you're not a fan of no we you know fortunately <laughs> enough we're we got some good neighbors so no there's nothing uh we have no no animosity or ill will to any of our neighbors uh at the moment so no everyone's everyone's great Good. That's, that's 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 for sure. Good answer. Well, this is straight yeah. up out of out of Oakland uh, and uh, New England back in the day, right? With uh, the the, yeah. the Tuck Rule game. Yep. I want to start off with some some NFL. And man, you played in the league. You know how coaches are, and analytics are so big because analytics are, are, are research, right? I mean, it's 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 risk management. But sometimes you got to go with your gut. And I'm in, speaking in reference to, to, to fourth down in the field goal decision. And uh, overall, do you think Aaron Rodgers is a guy that stays in Green Bay, or do you think he starts looking? Well, that's tough. I mean, he's obviously had a hell of a career there. You know, he's got the Super Bowl there. Uh, you could tell he was 
very unhappy with the decision after the game. Um, I mean, I think he might have reversed and ran over the head coach a couple times as a bus driver. Um, he said a uh, lot without saying much, didn't he? Yeah, correct. You know, it, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it, looking at him, he he should have probably kept it and tried to run himself. I mean, he looks like he had a plenty of room to get in there, but, you know, you kick it on fourth and five, and, you know, it's an eight-point game. You look at it with about four minutes left. I just – maybe less than that, but I, I, I have a hard time giving the ball back to Tom Brady. I do. I mean – they played damn good football. I'd, you just don't know if you're going to get a chance to get that ball back. You go in that four-minute offense and, and slow that thing down. And you know They had an opportunity to get off the field. They get the holding penalty uh, on the defense, get automatic first down, and they kind of run that thing out. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one to swallow for, for Aaron. I don't know what his decision is. I mean, he stays there. Green Bay will continue to, to own the NFC North until the NFC North gets better quarterbacks. I mean, no offense to Trubisky and Kirk Cousins and, you know, all the rest of them. I'm thinking of the, uh, you know, now who knows what Stafford's, you know, right. Stafford's going to be out in, in Detroit. So, I mean, he could be there and just keep owning the NFC North. Or do you go in, maybe you see what 49ers are talking, you know, dealing with. You know, maybe they're willing to wheel and deal. He's from out in the Bay Area, obviously went to Cal. Maybe he wants to end his career out there and, and get the 49ers back on. Um, track, even though you know they played in the Super Bowl last year, but you don't know what they're going to do with Garoppolo, you know, so they could wheel and deal there as well. So it's going to be interesting, you know, off season here for uh, many quarterbacks, you know, and in, in making some moves to finish off their career. Jay, I mean, if you were a betting man, would you bet that Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing for a different team next season, or do you think he's going to have uh, one or two more goats with the Packers? I would think, you know. I would say he probably stays. You know, I think you got to like you let you know cool down a little bit. You know, figure out this off season. You know, take a month off and and get out of here, go play some golf, and you know, go spend a month in Hawaii. You know, like a lot of these guys do, and you know, and just get your mind off it and kind of re reassess the situation. I mean, they have a good, they have a great thing going. They finally get some defensive help this year. You know, the thing he's got working with Devontae Adams is has been great. You know, he's, he's dealt with some O-line issues this year, injuries, uh, but still has played really, really good football. I would say he's coming back. It's just hard. It's, that's, that's where you've been. That's the only team you've been a part of. You've won a Super Bowl. You've gotten close many other times. And I don't know if, you know, there's some animosity or they butted. He's, you know, he's always been talking about button heads with, you know, ever since McCarthy left with the new head coach and, I, I would say I would lean coming back because they're going to as long as he's there in Green Bay, they're going to continue to win the NFC North every year until those other three teams get better quarterbacks in their in their uh, and get better help and just become better. Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will keep winning that NFC North. I think that's something he's got to consider and and making an, uh, a move on, or but maybe may, maybe making his next move unless that deal is you know he gets a sweet deal to head out to San Francisco or something happens. And like I said get close to home and, and out, out in the Bay Area. But I, I have a hard time thinking he's, he's going anywhere. If I'm Denver, I am making a phone call uh, just for, for anybody. And if I'm looking at a move in the NFC, do I really want to go take on Seattle 
and the Rams and the Cardinals, the, the toughest division in the NFL, <laughs> the NFC West. Yeah, but, yeah valid point. But, but, you're, but, point. but you're right on about San Francisco and his familiarity, and he's still pissed they didn't draft him. I mean, let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. So right. that might be a way to storybook it. Jay Moore is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, uh, your teammate in Dominican Sioux is back in a Super Bowl. Uh, you've, you know, Levante and, and of course, uh, Khalil Davis, you, you watched and covered while he was at Nebraska. And then you have Jason Light, the, the Tampa GM from Fremont. So, you know, a lot of big red uh, uh, attachment with Tampa on top of what Brady was able to do. Uh, that was crazy yesterday how you have three straight interceptions and uh, that, that Tampa D bailed out the the Tampa office offense you have Bruce Arians also uh, been pushing his whole career to try and get this moment now what's your takeaway here with the Nebraska influence in the Super Bowl and does it make it a little bit more special for you as a Husker uh, watching here a week from Sunday oh yeah you always want you always want to root on guys that say that you played with and I that was you know was able to spend two years around Sue when he was young uh and obviously with Levante and Khalil and, you know, Jason, like, and, um, you know, that's, you always, you root for your own. You want the best, best for your own, you know, Tampa Bay is playing in their home stadium, you know, a rematch with the Chiefs from earlier this year where I believe that was a game where Tyreek Hill went off about 200 yards in the first quarter. Yes, he did. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, it's just hard to, I, it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great matchup. Obviously I want, I want Sue to get one. It'd be interesting to see what, how his career ends up finishing out if he does win one. I mean, he's been doing this now for, was his 10th or for sure 10th, maybe 11th year in, in the league. He's so. 34. I mean, he's yeah. he's young, but he isn't young, and he's still putting in a billion snaps. Yeah, I mean, it has to be his, yeah, his 10th year. I mean, his last year in Nebraska was that 09 season. So, he's you know, this is his 10th year. I mean, that's that's no spring chicken anymore for uh, for NFL D linemen. The guy's hardly ever missed any time. He, he's played a ton. He's playing – over 75% of the snaps this year as a 34-year-old. You know, he's and he's just he's just that good and that big a freak of nature that, you know, he can handle all that. Uh, yeah, it's, you want you want the best best for them. I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for, for Tampa Bay. And, you know, it's, you know, Brady, what Brady's done is just going there and just kind of transferring his knowledge and his, his, his you know, knowledge of the game to all those guys to get them over that hump. That defense has been good there for a while. Now they get a quarterback, you know, who doesn't throw 30 interceptions a year, like Winston was doing. So it's, uh, they're, they're, they're in the mix of it. And you just got to see if they can hang defense can slow down, you know, Mahomes, you know, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, you know, that, that whole embarrassment of riches that they have offensively. So that's going to be a great matchup, but I'll definitely be pouring for the Buccaneers just because I want to see Sue go out and maybe finish with one more, or get, get one on the end of his career. And then, you know, Brady is taxing on, and just wherever he goes, he just keeps winning, winning Super Bowls. And Levante finally maybe gets some respect that it just seems like he doesn't ever deserve. And then you get a young guy in Khalil. I mean, how about that? You get there your first year, and now you're playing in the Super Bowl. That's 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 pretty special. Jay, we talked with uh, Mike Eckler on Friday, and he discussed Levante David and Indomitian Sue and what it was like coaching them. And one of the things he mentioned about Indomitian Sue was just his near superhuman strength. Uh, at least that was his mm-hmm. big takeaway from when he played. Was that something that you always remembered about Ndamukong? Is that something he came to Nebraska with? Or is that something he developed during his time here? No, he, he stepped foot on that campus, and he was 
he was uh, a physical specimen. I mean, I, when I say freak of nature, he's a freak of nature. I mean, he was gifted uh, athletically for uh, such a big man, had great feet. Obviously, everyone knows his playing of soccer and with, you know, uh, background, family background there. So great feet, you know, just he was he was strong. But, he, you know, he just didn't know how to rein it in. And he had, you know, he had a temper. And he had, you know, I would say, I don't know if it was a chip on his shoulder at all because he was such a highly rated recruit coming in. But, you know, he, he played with an edge. And he, he played uh, fast and physical. And once he almost slowed himself down a little bit and, and learned the game and learned how to use all those gifts to his advantage – and not, you know, go be out of control and, and get reached when you're, you know, and, and get hooked and all these things you're supposed to, you know, have a gap integrity and gap responsibilities. I mean, and, you know, you kind of design your defense around what what he can do. And up front, he, you just see what happens in 2008 and 2009. I mean, arguably one of the best, you know, defensive linemen, you know, seasons in college football history. And that, that he did not have that knowledge and the really, it's the, you know, the with the knowledge and didn't have the. Uh, I'm looking for a word. You know, he was immature. He didn't have the maturity to to play at a high level yet. He had all the gifts. He just had to learn to rein in and be more mature out in the football field, and he did. And that's what you see. And he's number two overall pick, and still playing, and going to play to the second Super Bowl. And yeah, he he didn't. Yeah, he had the strength and the speed and all that stuff. Yeah, that's you, some guys. You can develop it a little bit, but most of the time, you guys step on campus, you just learn your football IQ becomes so much better and you become more mature. And that's that's when, you know, Indom Kinsu went from, you know, a guy who was backing up guys his first couple of years to really taking over the college football in the Big 12 in the last couple of years. Jay, we'll get caught up again next week, buddy. Thanks for the time today. Yep, you got it. Stay safe driving home. And we're back. Fellas, think we could. Listen to the radio. Listen. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Some more NFL thoughts coming up here next hour. Recruiting Avante Dickerson. Watch uh, Greg Smith at uh, 525. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride will be with us shortly after 5. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hale Varsity Radio. Great insight from Jay Moore is... They teamed up together at Nebraska uh, Jay's last couple of years and Sue's first two. And uh, it was pretty cool to hear kind of that that progression that that Sue had from Nebraska to the NFL. And uh, it's on, on the doorstep for Tampa to take it down. Kansas City, though, they are just too good. <laughs> I mean, they are just too good. They... Uh, got down by nine. They gave up the final nine points of the game, and in between, they had like a thirty-eight to six run, where Kelsey is so key, uh, and Mahomes was just making plays. Man, just making plays at quarterback. Had guys in his face. Was able to elude a rush or two, and still focus and and got some help with some amazing catches but also kept his eyes downfield to make some plays. And then the routine little 7- to 12-yard to, to hitch or route turns into 71 yards when you've got a guy like Tyreek Hill. That's just flat-out incredible. I mean, it's yak yards, and at, at any moment, any play can go to the house. 
for Kansas City. And, and you can do well defensively, and then the levy just breaks. So let's kind of attach that to Nebraska football. Really nice story with, with Sam McEwen and, and the Nebraska turnover situation. And you've seen moments where, where Adrian Martinez will, will make a, a, just a, a fantastic play. He'll, he'll make something happen with his legs. He'll stay alive and find a quarterback or find a receiver at the last second. You'll also see instances where you, you, you go for broke and there's a turnover, right? That's the one thing that you don't see with Mahomes, really, right? You even saw it with Tom Brady yesterday where, I mean, Tom threw three picks. <laughs> he threw three picks towards the end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. That usually kills you. But Tampa was good enough to overcome. Nebraska has not been good enough to overcome their mistakes. Right? They, they just haven't been. And, and, and more from Scott Frost on the, the turnover side of things. When you look at the 32 fumbles, 61 total turnovers, 29 interceptions, uh, the quarterbacks have, have had 19 of those 32 fumbles. So, and we'll talk to Charlie about this. What's your answer? And you don't have a good one right now with the quarterback run game, how dynamic that can be, because it's been good, right? It's been a necessity, but it's also been effective. You can't beat the hell out of your quarterbacks during practice because they'll get hurt and then you don't have them. But yet they're not taking the same sort of punishment that your running backs or skill guys typically are, or you try to simulate during practice Monday through th- through Thursday. I mean, you, there's a reason the quarterbacks lead the way in fumbles because they're, they're they've got the no contact jerseys on. You can take the no contact jerseys off if you've got a a quarterback room like Alabama, but no one does, or a quarterback room like the 2014 Ohio State team. So. The, the answer is to get better at, at wide out, get better on the line, get better at running back. So you're not asking your quarterback to to do everything. And when it comes to interceptions and turnovers, I mean, that not only mentally, but, but physically in the momentum of the football game, Elijah, those turnovers have have doomed Nebraska. You had that here we go again feeling against Minnesota and against Illinois with that stupid sideline pass. Now that same pass was great, amazing edge blocking, and it really got you going early and often against Purdue. So that, that's an execution thing. But Nebraska needs to be able to settle. They need to be able to settle and, and get a run game going. They need to be able to get a downfield passing attack going. And it's okay to rely on your quarterback to be a playmaker, to be a difference maker. But you can't have that quarterback also be so volatile. And that's the other 10 guys around him. Uh, That's the quarterback himself, whoever it is, taking care of the football. So, I mean, there's work to do, and Nebraska will, will try and make that happen. But it just kills you in this league specifically when you average 1.9 turnovers a game in conference play. If you're Nebraska, think about that as points off turnovers. Think about that as a field position deal where uh, you're ready to go in. I mean, how many, how many turnovers this year alone did Nebraska have when they're on the opponent's 40 couple for Ohio state. One that was a scoop and score 
you had uh, you had a turnover, that strip fumble, as you're driving, kind of in your midfield against Iowa. You know what happened with Illinois. You know what kind of start you got off to against Minnesota. And it's not just been this season. It's been, you know, three years. So the question is, can, can Adrian or whoever's at quarterback, and we think it's going to be Adrian, I mean, he's, he's had really good moments. So there's a lot to work with there. Is it just going to always be an ongoing issue with him at quarterback, or is it the system, or is it about practice and what you're asking your quarterback to do and what they're prepared to do? I, I don't have the answer other than get better at running the ball with the running game and, and block better so it's not third and eight and Epinesa tosses somebody and goes smokes your quarterback and takes the football with them. I mean, I, for one, am getting somewhat tired of constantly talking about Nebraska needs to limit turnovers, Nebraska needs to limit penalties, but... I it's, wa- it's a topic because it's, it's, it's why they're 12-20. and 20. I, mean, I, I watched that game yesterday, and look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs went down early because of a turnover in their own half of the field. But that, inside the five. Inside the five, and that's why they went down early. Whenever they didn't have penalties, and then they didn't turn the ball over the rest of the game. And then they pretty much dominated that game from, from there on out, and that didn't even look like the normal Chiefs offense when you watched yesterday. Mahomes threw the ball more than 15 yards downfield four times, mm-hmm. and he, I believe, was two for two or two for four on those uh, on those four passes downfield. Kansas City didn't throw the ball downfield as much as they have all season, as much as they did last year. Most of his completions were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, and he still racked up almost 340 yards passing. 320, yeah, I mean, he was, he was great. I mean, he was great. And why? It was because he didn't turn the ball over, and he had receivers that you get him the ball five yards downfield, and they can make something happen on their feet. And that's what Scott Frost's offense wants to be at Nebraska. But you can't do it whenever you're turning the ball over, whenever you're shooting yourself in the foot with penalties. No. And, and you got to find a, a, a sound running game. And you got to be able to lean on it when the opposing team knows you're going to run it, and it shouldn't matter. That's easy to say, harder to do. And you can even have a short passing game open up your run game. I'm not against all of that because if I'm a defense, I'm going to make Nebraska beat me throwing the football too. I'm going to put 40 guys in the box. So, I, you know... Let's see where this Nebraska offense can go. Mm-hmm. And let's see what, what type of final bang Adrian can go, out, can go out on. Just as a playmaker and as a guy taking care of the football. The other side of this, too, is just the urgency you have in the offense. Because you're not, you're not up on teams all that often. Hence your record. You're trying to tie or you're coming from behind. Or you're even. You're not playing with a lead a lot of the time. We'll wind down our one next. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Ten minutes away, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride with us. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Greg Smith will hit on some recruiting. Where's Avante Dickerson going to go on signing day? And uh, some quarterback prospects to tell you about so greg coming up here in about 40 minutes or so be careful if you're out and about uh wherever you're at hearing us in the state of nebraska as uh, snowmageddon is very real and uh, that was nice of our, our weatherman mr hat to tell us there's an ex- additional three to five inches heading our way i know like around my house um like we were pretty close to 10 inches whenever i left for work yeah so, I mean, is this going to turn into a, a two-day snow day for Lincoln Public Schools? I don't know, but uh, Junior's already 
He's already got plans for his Tuesday. <laughs> well, here's what happened. So I, I had to ground him Saturday night. One of the dogs is roaming upstairs, and Gertie the German opened up our bedroom door. It's like 2 a.m., and I get the hell scared out of me by the German. She just wanted, you know, to, to wag her tail and give me a, a big old slobbery kiss. I'm like, how the hell did you get out? Because, you know, they have moved downstairs. Junior's got four TVs on, and he's asleep. And I'm like, well, where's the other one? The Roz, the fat dog, has been barricaded in his bathroom. It looks like a bomb went off in his room. There's wet towels everywhere. So I'm like, dude, and I just lost it. I'm like, you're grounded. I tell you 14 times a week to clean your room, please. And he played the, I don't remember, because I went down uh, yesterday morning, check, you know, see how, you know, good morning, how are you? You want some breakfast, da 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 He's already playing his stupid video games. Did, did, did you not hear me? I said, you're grounded for two weeks. So you go, oh, I didn't remember. It's like, yeah, BS. So I go down this morning after- He was hoping you'd forget. <laughs> well, he was pulling the, uh, the amnesia card. So I go down there this morning, after I get home from the KFOR shift in the morning, and he's on his video game. Like, What's going on? It's like, yeah, mom said I could play the video games. Because she didn't want him to bother her. So I get undermined. So point is, is he should be scooping and scooping and scooping. At least try and do a little butt kissing to earn your way back versus, well, I'm just going to annoy the hell out of my mom so she'll let me play video games. And it worked. So he's been doing all day. And then he went sledding. What's his game of choice right now? Is it is it Call of Duty? Yeah. It's got to be Call of Duty. It's Call of Duty. He he is a very accomplished marketer with Grand Theft. Mm, yes, yes. And and then it's 2K. Classic, yeah. So that's, that's what he's all about. I, it, it'd be tough to get away from those two, especially on a snow day. I feel for the kid. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to come over someday on a random... Thursday, and you're going to look into his room and say, "Schmidt, you're right." Mm. You know, you, you got to start taking some jujitsu lessons. So just you can just you know take him down and put him in an arm bar until he uh, until he cleans his room. I'll just grab him by the back of the neck. That works too. Uh, moving, yes. Thinking about it, I might just move out of both of uh, their vicinities. West Blue Realty, uh, they do an amazing job. And if you're looking to move and you want a residential home in Lincoln or surrounding area. West Blue Realty makes that happen. You mentioned Hale Varsity up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby and Kelly Hofschneider, fantastic folks with westblueRealty.com. You know, give Tom a shout at 402-540-3768. You can give Kelly a call at 402-202-2312. Go find him today, 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Some emails to get to Coach McBride's next on Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Into hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, some snow fall accumulations from our dear friend Ken Shimmick. Cortland at 10 inches, Hampton at 10 inches, Lincoln 
Nine and a half inches. This is about 30 minutes ago. Beatrice, nine inches. Tecumseh. Tony Davis land, nine inches. Exeter, eight and a half. Nebraska City, 12 inches. The Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman's. Fairbury, Jeff's, 11 and a half inches. So, my neck of the woods, I'm at 11 inches. Uh, South Lincoln, West Lincoln at 10.8 inches for the capital city. I do not have our friends out in central Nebraska or up in Columbus, the snowfall there. Coach McBride joins us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, how much snowfall have you gotten today? We got two inches in White Pigeon. <laughs> ah, okay. So you're like, <laughs> I'm all good. It might be a little more. <laughs> it might be a little more than that, but the lake's frozen. They were skating on it yesterday. Well, that is good. They had the shovels out, making a area to skate in. So fishermen were out yesterday morning, a little bit ice fishing, and so the ice is strong enough to hold anybody. I haven't seen any snowmobiles or cars on it yet. Okay. Well, we'll. Uh, I don't want to say it all. <laughs> we'll send you some because I think you, you're, you're fine. Okay. But yeah, we're we're about twelve and a half uh, inches or so today. Oh, so. Boy. Wow. wow. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's something. And it's still coming down three to five inches tonight. So uh, let's start off with uh, some football and some NFL. And uh, what did you think of Tampa Bay and Green Bay yesterday? And, and specifically, I know you're so, so uh, close with uh, Jason Light, the GM for Tampa. Yeah. How are you feeling for him? Good. Well, I felt really happy for him. You know, it was one of those things where I think that everybody um, was, you know, when you listen to the TV and everything, everybody was talking Green Bay, Green Bay, Green Bay. They can't play in the cold weather. The guys are going from the south to the north. It's going to be a big deal for them. And I think that wore on them a little bit. They said, well, we're going to show them where, you know, what's going on. So they, they came up there really ready to play. I think that was a little fuel they got just by, you know, the negativism about them coming up there and playing in cold weather and everything like that. And it actually wasn't very cold. I think they said it was 28, uh, nine mile an hour wind. So that was, that was pretty, actually a pretty nice day for football. I think you're right, especially in Green Bay this time of year. And uh, let's spend a minute on Jason Light and and kind of his story with you, and mm-hmm. and and how how he kind of got uh, introduced to the NFL because he's a guy who played ball at Westland, but he did some work for you, didn't he, at Nebraska? At Nebraska? Yeah. Well, he Jason Jason played, and then he decided that he he was a walk on and wanted to play more went over across town to play and uh, ended up being I think a captain over you know uh, across uh, was it north north Westland yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and he you know he did well and uh, he was still lifting over in the with the guys that he had you know known over here in the, in, a, in our weight room and we had um we had kind of a pro day and it was early um if I'm not mistaken, it might have been a Thursday night. A lot of the pro guys will come in early, and uh, I had uh, a friend of mine who was uh, at Green Bay um, was the uh, um, 
had just gotten a job uh, back east. I can't remember whether it was the, uh, with the Redskins or the uh, Philadelphia is one of the two. And um, and he was talking about getting a job over there from Green Bay, and he was going to be leaving right after the draft. And so uh, I I asked uh, I had been talking to Jason before oh an hour or so before. He came up in his sweats. He was, you know, lifting and just he came up to say hello and we talked for a while. I asked him what he was going to do when he graduated and he said, I want to go into scouting. And, you know, he's really a, he's really a smart kid. I mean, I thought, you know, he'd go into business or start his own business or do something, you know, just off the top of my head. And he, he said, no, I want to get into the personnel work. And uh, so when this guy told me he got the job i said you know i there's somebody that just came up here a little while ago and i was talking to him and he was really interested in getting into it he said who is he and i told him and he he said well how can i get a hold of him i said i can get a hold of him right now he's down in the weight room <laughs> so he said get a hold of him and actually that's the last i saw jason for about two years <laughs> he signed a contract with him he that i mean he went right to work for him i, I had uh, you know he called and that <clears throat> the next thing i saw he had a, a contract signed with the new england patriots so he was there quite a while we moved to arizona after i retired and jason got the job at arizona as as the head of all personnel, meaning pro personnel, where they, you know, they, they have scouts out, uh, scouting just the pro teams, you know, for um, free agents and so forth, and uh, and college. And he was the head of all that personnel structure, the whole, both sides of them, of it. And um, he was there for a whole six, six, six or eight months. And I, I we got together a couple of times and, um, uh, you know, I asked him what he wanted to do. He said, well, someday I hope I get hooked up as a general manager. And, you know, who knows, you know, and then all of a sudden uh, Tampa Bay called and, you know, he has a good background. I think he must have been about, oh, 10 years at then, by then at least, mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, and they, they hired him and it was just a big, actually it was a, Really, it was a hard move for him because he just had moved to Arizona from back east, and now he's going to go go <laughs> go back to Florida. So he was banging around, but uh, you know he's quite a guy. He's a real, real even-tempered person, and a, and a good and really a good guy to you know if you were working for somebody, he's the kind of guy you want to work for. I mean, he's very understanding and. And uh, you know you you can put your days in and feel good about yourself when uh, you know <clears throat> working for him. Charlie McBride's with us on AL Varsity Radio. A little backstory: his connection to Tampa GM Jason Light from Fremont, and was uh, part of Nebraska. Played college ball at Westland, and uh, has done great things in Tampa. Getting Bruce Arians in as uh, head coach. And uh, also landing Tom Brady to uh, to kind of take the team over the top. Of course, there's a big Nebraska influence, Coach McBride, with Sue and Levante David and Khalil Davis. And, and we've talked about Khalil uh, making uh, the, the right impressions. But uh, a guy that I know you like watching, Sue, and, and also Levante David. 
as we look uh, right. towards that Tampa defense. Can Tampa slow down Kansas City's offense, do you think? <laughs> Can anybody? That's the you question, know, isn't it? <laughs> Well, the speed factor is the biggest thing. I mean, you have to neutralize it, and that means you have to get pressure on the quarterback because, you know, it's going to be any secondary is going to have trouble with that kind of speed and quickness. You know, um, you know they have, and, and, you know, they've got a good coaching staff at Kansas City, and it's, um, you know, experienced and so forth. Um, and, and so, you know, so so is... Tampa Bay, but uh, you know they they've really done a solid job of of coaching there, and and um, I think that you know a lot of a lot of times coaches will um, you know take time off and kind of get lazy and do things, but they they don't do that down there, and they they really work at what they're doing. I know it's a tough life, but uh, you know it's paid off for them, and and they've done a good job. They got a good owner. And that's important also that lets them coach and lets them do what they think is right and stays kind of out of it. And that's, you know, that's what they, that's how it works down there. And it's worked for them. And I think, you know, with, with Brady down there, it's been a, it's added to a lot of the, the team period, just the mm-hmm. fact that he's there and what he's done in the past. And he's proven that he's, you know, he doesn't need any other coaches. I mean, he's he's had he's he's got a good quarterback coach who's the, you know, who was, he was a quarterback coach at the Steelers before, you know, he actually came to the Cardinals, and uh, you know he's he's got the kind of coach that he probably needs, so he's getting probably some new insight, uh, which is probably good for him, even though it's at this age, but. I think that helps, and I, I think that you know they, they've got good speed on defense too. I mean, they've really got you know uh, David's a, can really fly. I mm-hmm. mean, he, you know, he's a linebacker that can play in the secondary. You know, so they got linebackers that can run, and they got people that are tough. And with Sue down there, you know, and Khalil, and and those kids. You know, it's good that they have guys that played together in college. That makes a difference too. It, it, it you know, it kind of rubs off um, their their brotherhood. Kind mm-hmm. of rubs off on the other guys. Let's uh, stay with quarterback play. And Coach Frost had a sit down last week, uh, end of last week, with a couple of uh, newspapers, the Journal Star and World Herald, and, and a lot was covered and. Scott's going to continue to do the special teams analyst uh, role versus a, a, a designated special teams coach. But, Coach McBride, I wanted your thoughts on, on what Scott can do to help the quarterback position because he's going to spend more time working with Adrian and the quarterbacks. And ball, mm-hmm. ball security uh, has been a thing with, with the Nebraska quarterbacks. And, in your opinion, what can Scott do to kind of upgrade the position of quarterback? Well, I don't, I don't know that you, you, you know, you can. I know that Tom, Tom definitely worked with the quarterbacks, and then Turner got there, and when Tom felt like, you know, Turner could take it over, he took over the meeting after Tom got done, and you know, did the film, a lot of the film work with him. Um, but I know how Tom was, you know, really 
sewed into you know really working with the quarterbacks. And I think one of the things that I you know that I see that I know that yeah, I think if you talk to Tom, I, he said to me several times that he really feel he said he really feels bad he doesn't spend enough time with the defense. Mm-hmm. And that looks like what Scott's kind of got in mind that, uh, you know, he's just going to work with the offense. And, you know, and I think that, that, that that's fine. But, I, you know, you, you really have to let them know who the head coach is. And I think sometimes you lose contact with a lot of the people that, you know, uh, that way. I don't know. He may be spending more time with them. He's going to start encouraged. doing that, I think. He's going to – because he's even going to give up some of his play-calling duties – to uh, to the offensive coordinator Lubick, so he can be around all of the team, not just the offense. Yeah, I think that's really important. Uh, you know, the other thing that I think really was a was a plus for our staff. Uh, there's 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 one thing. Dan Young was our special teams coach, mm-hmm. but he also was our he was our assistant line coach, and it really helped when you could split the offensive line during practice and then switch back and forth one one person working with the passing game which Dan did Dan spent a lot of time in the summers uh, with the pros and 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 blocking techniques pass blocking techniques and with um you know the different kinds of stunts and how you pick them up and that kind of stuff when he started out he really worked at doing the job and it and it paid off and they would get uh, half of their their period when they had individual stuff. Half of their period would be um, teamwork. Uh, would be uh, one, Milt would handle the running part of it, and Dan would handle the thing with the first or second team, whatever they started with, and switch. And then on some days they'd come over, and we'd have one-on-one pass rush and things like that, a couple of days a week. So. I think with a full-time coach, it really helps you, you know, in that manner. And a lot of times when you count, I, I can't count them. You can. I can't count exactly. We we only had about four guys on defense, really, I think, you know, as it was. Um, and uh, they had the extra guy kind of on offense, what I think is really important, although we had Tony Samuel helping me with the defensive line because you can't work with the defensive out, which then was outside what he called rush ends mm-hmm. because they were not linebackers like they are now. And I think it's important that you have a linebacker coach on the outside and one on the inside because mm-hmm. you can't coach them both at the same time. Somebody's standing around too much. And so I don't know how that's working out. It looks like it is because mm-hmm. they, you know, they have a couple of guys over there that can do that. But to hire a full-time guy, you know, so he can be with the offensive line and special teams, and you know, and, and Dan handled special teams. But we also worked together. Um, a lot of the coaches worked with special teams. In other words, when practice was going on, they split. Their time, I mean, each one had a, you know, for example, if we're going down on the pass rush, one guy had the right side, one guy had the left side, and they, you know, that was their part of the thing, and the other, you know, and, and so forth. And, and as far as the the the, the um, play, how it went, or how you were rushing, we changed that up once in a while. You know, we kicked the corners and tried to squeeze people into the corners and did a lot of different stuff. You know, so it, it, it's, a, it's a tough job. I mean, it's, it's something that 
means, I'll tell you what, it means everything. I mean, it means a lot. And, um, you know, if you have a good punter, you can really get yourself out of a lot of trouble. And Charlie McBride's with us out. here. Yep. Coach, uh, that, that is the way to do it. We'll see how things shake out with uh, Nebraska moving forward. We'll try and dig out of the snow and give you a ring next Monday. How's that sound? That's good. I'll be here. I mean, I have nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do it again. You stay okay. safe, okay? Thanks. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thank I'll you. talk to you later. There he is. Bye now. Charlie McBride with us on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff on some of the new news out on Scott Frost from the, the last couple of days with his media sit-down. And uh, Coach went into some detail about special teams and the second offensive line coach. And good luck and God bless with that uh, Kansas City speed as Tampa gears up for the Super Bowl. We bring in uh, a guy who probably smiled when Green Bay lost yesterday. Greg Smith is with us. HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Recruiting Insider. Proud Bears fan non-Trubisky jersey owner at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, are you uh, you buried, man, or are you uh, you hanging in with all this snow? Oh, man, I, I'm buried. I, I just, came, just came back in from, I think that was time number four out there. I am one of those people that likes to just kind of do it as the day goes along. Um, but I, I'm regretting that and regretting not having a snowblower right now. See, I, I, I bat-signaled Junior to negotiate his ungrounding <laughs> so he's 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 getting a preliminary uh set of work done we've got some folks that usually do our drive anyway you know yep. but i don't know when that will happen <laughs> so i'm uh yeah as a junior we'll, we'll talk when i get home but make sure i can get in the drive like that'll okay, cost a little that'll test, cost you is what he told me <laughs> So, listen, uh, it's not that surprising uh, with Avante Dickerson as he took to Twitter to decommit from Minnesota. As you've followed this and kept in contact with your sources, where do things sit with Dickerson as far as those in the mix? And, And that is Michigan, that is Oregon, that is Nebraska, that is LSU, maybe even Texas. Where... Do you see things right now for Avante Dickerson? Yeah, at this point, like I said, it wasn't surprising that he that he ended up leaving the Minnesota class. But at this point, I think it's a Nebraska versus Oregon race. Um, and I will put the caveat in there that, you know, I, I find it, it's going to be interesting to see if other schools can get involved here. Now, it's late, um, and it doesn't feel like signing day is just around the corner, but it is um, because it's just been such a, a wonky year overall. And just there's not so much going on right now with Nebraska as far as the late signing period goes. Um, but it, it but it wouldn't surprise me if other schools try to make a push. We've had other schools like Texas um, make make new coaching uh, changes and have new staff come in and put new uh, set of eyes on guys. And he's just so highly rated that there's going to be a lot of schools trying to circle back. But in the end, I think it comes down to between Nebraska and Oregon uh, to kind of see how who wins out for that signature. Well, and you look at Avante. I mean, he's a, he's a top fifty player. Okay, number number forty six composite, right? So he's he is yeah. that good, uh, and and he's phenomenal. I mean, he can play offense as well as anybody. But you know, the, the defensive back spot is where he's 
looked at um, with with Dickerson. Is he a guy you can see contributing right away wherever he goes, or is he a guy that's going to need some weight room time? Uh, and and just it, it'll be uh, an adjustment like like a lot of kids to to Division One. Do you think he's an early candidate? Man, that's an interesting question because I, I my first reaction is that he's going to need some weight room time just because he's kind of skinny. Um, but at the same time, like it's hard to teach lockdown corner skills, and you don't definitely you definitely don't teach the the speed that he has, right? And just kind of the instincts. Um, so I could see him like being able to work his way into the mix to get playing time. I'm not saying he's a day one starter, um, but I could I could see that one going either way um, because he's just, he's just a really talented athlete. Greg Smith's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, recruiting insider at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, is, uh, we're a week out Wednesday from signing day. A couple of spots left, one of those presumably for Avante. Is, where else is Nebraska at from a pass rusher standpoint? What else is on the radar for the Big Red with uh, those two spots, uh, even from a portal slash uh, transfer or JUCO situation? Where, where are things uh, looking for, the, for Nebraska? Yeah, I think you nailed it with Avante. I think that, that there's a spot there for him, so long as he wants it, and they only have two spots left, so there's one spot gone, um, hopefully for Nebraska, you know, looking at it from their point of view. So then you're really looking at one spot, and you're either looking at a guy like Davin Townley, uh, four-star defensive inside outside linebacker out of Minnesota, who's also looking at Penn State, Michigan State, amongst some other schools, um, or he just, if, if he does not pick Nebraska or Nebraska doesn't think that's the right fit, then you, you probably end up saving that spot for the portal and where it gets interesting is, is if, if you want to make sure if you're in Nebraska that you guard against any late surprises or any more defections um, that could really impact your team, i.e. Luke McCaffrey. If Luke McCaffrey decides to either opt out or to transfer out of Nebraska, then all of a sudden you might not feel so comfortable with that backup quarterback spot if you're Scott Frost and maybe you try and take a backup or take a JUCO quarterback um, to either come in and push Adrian to make sure you have additional depth because while you like Logan Smothers, you like Kenneth Harburg. Um, they're still young and developing in the program, in particular Harburg, who just arrived on campus a couple of days ago. Uh, so you, you probably want to keep that spot in your back pocket uh, if you're Scott Frost. Greg, with signing day coming up next Wednesday, uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of guys making decisions within the next week, but are we expecting signing day drama? Are these guys going to be making their decisions on signing day, or is, is that just something with Husker fans? We can cross our fingers, hope we get some. Uh, some guys on signing day, but if we don't, we don't have to be checking our phones all day to, to check and make sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you breathe, Husker fans probably can mostly breathe a sigh of relief um, just because you're really only waiting on the Avante Dickerson news on Wednesday. Like he's, He said over the weekend when he did commit it from Minnesota that he'll be announcing on signing day. That's really the one uh, to watch the most. There's a couple others out there um, that maybe we'll see what happens, but it'd be more surprising if, if anyone else joined the class other than, than potentially Dickerson. So you're really looking at just the one. Greg, if what's your gut tell you about about McCaffrey? I want to go back there for a second. Are, are we thinking that you know what? If he does opt out, that means he's just doing virtual learning, and in the name of COVID, I, I get that. Uh, on the other hand, it'd be pretty tough to come back and and be a part of the team if you've not been doing winter conditioning. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think it's a hundred percent fair to say, and I, I think that. 
It, it, I'm trying to explain this. It would be hard to me to envision someone opting out of winter conditioning um, to get more opportunities to compete, to win the starting job back, after kind of going back and forth. Like, I can't see that helping your case, right? Like, whether it's within the locker room, with the coaching staff, from a development standpoint either, um, I think that if he does, in fact, decide to opt out or to, to put his name in the portal, I would put the, the odds very high of him never playing at Nebraska. Well, and when it comes to quarterback, I mean, he had some good moments at quarterback. And it's not – the story's not done being written about Luke McCaffrey, the quarterback. I know the consensus out there, or the opinion, is that the guy's a phenomenal athlete that can help the team in other spots. And if you're hell-bent on playing quarterback, kind of like Crouch was, right, you, you keep grinding right. you keep grinding away to – to, to chop that wood. I mean, I don't get the impression that, I mean, Scott Frost has said it himself. I don't think they've moved on from him at quarterback. They're just, it's just not like completely open right now. You know what I mean? The, yeah, that's the, that's the interesting thing to me is that I'm with you. I, I would see the smoke around this if, you know, there was a lot of talk coming out that, you know, Scott Frost and Verdusco and, you know, uh, Matt Lubick wanted to move him to a different position and they just told him, you know, hey, it's not going to work out for me, a quarterback. And to my knowledge, that has not happened. Um, and like you said, you know, Scott came out recently and said, pretty vehemently that he you know felt he was a quarterback and he's got a bright future there so i'm not sure exactly where the disconnect is or what to point to other than maybe he's thinking that he should be the starter now um and doesn't necessarily either want to continue competing for that job or thinks it should be you know his and doesn't want to continue to wait well i just and i look at his brother too and his brother put in a lot a lot of time i mean his brother yeah a lot i mean he did i mean he was there four years trying to win a job so he the family doesn't strike the the tone to me is i'm going to take my ball and leave if i don't get the answer i want right that just that, so something's something's up if in fact we, there's not a, a mccaffrey on the roster and that that'd be tough but I, do you see him winning a quarterback job at a power 5 anywhere that well, that's the question, and it, it's, it's you go get reset somewhere else, right? Right, but the thing is, the thing to keep in mind, and as remember, if he did decide to leave, he still has four years right. of eligibility left. Um, so that's time to continue to work yourself into a new situation, get acclimated with a new team. But on the other hand, you could make the case that if you're going to take the steps to do that, why not just stay in the place that you were and continue to, to battle and compete or then continue to be groomed to take over the job after Adrian? Like I think that you could make the case either way, um, <laughs> whichever way you fell, kind uh, kind of what you think about that potential decision. Well, I mean, you started and beat Penn State, right? I mean, right. <laughs> you've had okay moments, and then the Illinois game happened, and that was not so good, but it's just kind of part of growing pains. Greg Smith's with us on Hale Varsity. Greg, uh, last thought here on, on uh, Tavarian Jackson. Uh, give me a quick take on him, and then some of those uh, 2022 Omaha kids, uh, Boomer Sooner, Sooners, uh, throwing the mail out, aren't they? Yeah, uh, so Jackson, uh, quarterback out of Indiana, it's always noteworthy when, when Nebraska makes a quarterback offer because for as many offers as they do put out under Scott Frost, they really don't do that at quarterback. It's always under about, you know, it's about 12 to 15 each year. Um, so you kind of get to know those kids pretty well. Um, it's another dual threat quarterback um, that, that Nebraska is after. And then on those 2022 kids in state, Oklahoma very rarely makes offers in the state of Nebraska to make two in the same day. 
Um, it's pretty remarkable. You know, great stuff for those kids, and it's, I'm glad for them um, that their profiles are blowing up. If you're the people over at Nebraska, you are not so thrilled about that uh, because Devin Jackson and Caden Helms are definitely two prospects that Nebraska would like in the fold this year, and it's going to be it's going to be a real fight to keep those kids home, not just those two, um, but also Deshaun Woods, Mike O'Reilly, Ernest Hausman. Um, it's another kid that they have an early offer to. Like, it's going to be a fight to keep all those kids in state. Greg, just as you look at it here, about 30 seconds, is Nebraska in, in good position with those kids, or are those kids uh, already thinking elsewhere? I like their position best right now with Caden Helms, the tight end, one of the tight ends from Bellevue West, and Deshaun Woods, the offensive lineman from Omaha Central. Um, but one of the things that's kind of interesting with a couple of those kids, Woods, Deshaun Jackson, with them not playing this year, they didn't really get the, as much exposure. Sure. But that's not slowing them down <laughs> picking up these offers. Uh, but there's a long way to go because I remember a time where we talked about Chris Hickman and Nick Henrich mm-hmm. as being tough gets for Nebraska, and they both ended up here. Greg Smith. Greg, uh, put the stocking hat back on. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us to talk some recruiting. Appreciate your time. No problem. Send Junior over here. <laughs> I, mean, I will. Dude. I'm going to send him out big time. going to make him ride his bike over while we're at it. <laughs> Take care, Greg. Appreciate it. Have a good one, man. All right. There he is. Greg Smith with us. We could just kind of farm Junior out. You could make some money scooping. Come take my place. He's in his 30s. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. So, Junior's cracking a root beer. No uh, school for LPS tomorrow. We are just going to absolutely uh, farm him out all day tomorrow. I'll drop him off on my way here this morning, tomorrow morning. I'll send you out some uh, some addresses. I'm sure I have friends that would he could love, go, love to have their shot. He could go kill it, and he could if he if he gets after it, he could put a down payment on some Yeezys or something. On some Yeezys, <laughs> that'd or, be a lot. I mean, or or just a snowblower. What's what's the going rate for uh, for like shoveling now? I have no idea. Back I, in, I, uh, I know I know with uh, Jolster, and we do kind of a lawn service snow removal mm-hmm. tag team. It just depends on the tonnage of snow for 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 what I get popped, but uh, it's not bad. I mean, I remember back in the day, I used to uh, go and shovel my dad's job sites. Like five uh, bucks? Um, no, we got paid in dinner. Sometimes lunch, oh, if we're lucky. okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, just, just just part of part of the gig. It's just part of the gig. Part no. of part of the gig. Growing up with my dad, and you know, I I, I would help shovel uh, with my dad. Joe Papa though had the mother of all snowblowers, mm-hmm. and he would park up and crank that thing up, and boom, it'd be. And we had a corner lot growing up, so it was a lot of sidewalk to do. Yeah, my dad uh, probably ten years ago invested in a snowplow for his truck, which really helped nice. things. But then. Uh, he wrecked that truck and got mm. a new truck and now there's no like plow hookup and he's been he's been talking for the past like two and a half years now oh i need to get that get something for that plow to get put on because he's tired of snow blowing well once you get that like that easy life of just plowing your snow you never go back well steve joel the superintendent uh put a tweet out here about 15 minutes ago we'll take another snow day tomorrow students be sure to help your parents with the shoveling so there you have it so uh, for we were talking with Greg about this. Are you a 
guy who puts a dent into the the shoveling at different parts of the day, or are you somebody that um, that waits till it's all done before you go to work on it? And with this much snow, as heavy as it is, and Lincoln and Southeast Nebraska, and I know our friends in Central Nebraska got snowed on, and same with uh, with our friends in Columbus. It's uh, if you're waiting to just start on it. Yeah, I mean, we're talking 12 inches in some parts of South Link. Yeah, if, if you're waiting to shovel right now, have fun at the doctor tomorrow. You're going to have so much back pain. <laughs> That's going to be brutal. What are you giving me? Well, this is a shot of Everclear. <laughs> <laughs> How many are you prescribing? Seven. Uh, pretty good. So, uh, uh, email to get to here, chris at hailvarsity.com. Ted, our old buddy Teddy Ballgame uh, emails in, uh, be careful on the way home. I've gone out three times and, and done the snowblower. It was only four inches or so the first two times, but it seemed deeper the third time. So Ted's been out three times, and uh, he's going to keep on going and got three neighbors done since he was out. He has ski gloves he's very thankful for. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, I've already gotten through two. Sh- I, I shoveled this morning, probably around eleven o'clock, and then uh, shoveled again before I came here about two thirty. And I, I'm sure I'll shovel again probably once the snow stops. I might wait till like midnight, one a.m. Wait until the snow stops, and then mm. get out there and get it shoveled. So I don't have to get up early because Lord knows I won't get out of bed early. I'll tell you this: these type of days when we get snow days, we play snow football. Yes, we put on the snow pants and the boots and the stocking hat, and there's always like four or six of us where we go play snow football in the front yard of the school. And it, it was the best. And then it always turned into like some California Stanford pitch play reenactment because most of the time you'd slip and fall and crash down and you'd score. It was fantastic. Backyard was okay, but the side of the school we went to, it had this little area that was kind of like an island before the loop and the drop-off where the buses would be. So we'd play, we'd play snow football right next to a street, but it was great, and snow football was the best. See, it's kind of sad nowadays. Like My memories of snow days were like waking up, eating breakfast, and then hopping in a Call of Duty lobby with your friends and playing some Call of Duty. So I guess maybe times have just changed. You don't want to go out in that cold snow anymore. It's a softer generation. Well, Junior was <laughs> lobbying to, to, for, for a ride over to his buddy's house to sled. Mm-hmm. He ended up sledding with Chandler, her nephew. And they had a good time with it, but yeah, he's gotten plenty of, of Call of Duty time in. So let's talk here, and I'm not the biggest uh, MMA guy clearly and i don't dislike it i just don't follow it all right but with mcgregor and fight island and because that was kind of it you had football on sunday you had a little college basketball saturday but espn plus and and ufc i mean that that was it mcgregor was was it and it's a guy that he'd already beaten back in 2014 and I saw the footage where he just got rocked. And the the internet's forever, and you've got McGregor who got put to sleep, and he's just sitting there like he fell off his bar stool at last call. And and he got rocked. And I just I didn't know 
how great an idea it was because I saw on Twitter where they filmed him like 30 minutes before the fight was to start. He shows up in his limo and his incredible suit. Like, bro, I would have been there a lot sooner getting amped up. Did he just totally take this for granted or was he in danger of losing? Because people just bet the money line and got killed on mm-hmm. it. And, and I know that... Are you huge in, into it? I'm pretty big into, into MMA, yeah. Okay, so, into UFC. So, so, yeah, so tell me here what this is equivalent to in boxing. Is this the same as, as Buster Douglas knocking out Tyson or is... Is Connor and I is Connor more about the personality and flair? And yeah, he's good, but it's more the persona versus the talent. Uh, Dana White was he just Dana White just had age. a pretty telling comment at the end where he says, like uh, after the fight, he said, "This guy is a guy who worked for everything. He was like making no money in Ireland. And he worked yeah. his way up through fighting to get the, the finer things in life." And he said, "It's it's hard to walk off the 120 foot yacht and get ready for a fight whenever you've already earned everything that you want." And that's what I see is whenever I watch Conor McGregor. He, he hasn't developed with the sport of MMA and it's changed so much over the past five years, 10 years uh, where you can't just be a guy who wants to go in there and throw these big wild punches like a boxer and just be a glorified boxer in the MMA ring. And it showed he was destroyed by leg kicks by Dustin Poirier. And that, that's what I saw in his post game is, is like, man, my, my legs were just not there because I got because Porter got him with yeah, the ground and, game. And that's something that Poirier didn't have in his repertoire six years ago whenever they were not so the first time. He got better. His defense was better. He could eat a couple shots. And then once he got a couple of those leg shots in him, McGregor, McGregor couldn't move anymore, and he wasn't the same explosive fighter that you come to see with McGregor, and it was over from that point. Well, and, and that's just it. What's the hunger like? Because the paycheck's still there. Mm-hmm. And and he's already loaded, barring a, uh, a, a, a black... Tuesday type uh, disintegration of his funds. You never know with pro athletes and how well they take care of their money. I mean, Tyson lost it all and was making thirty million a fight. That's my point of reference is Tyson, and I look at McGregor and I get a kick out of him, but you don't ever expect him to lose, let alone get put to sleep. It's the way this sport goes. Anyone can beat anyone on any given day. We'll wind down a Monday. Snow edition of Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, uh, more snowfall tonight in different parts of Nebraska. If you're in Lincoln, be safe, be cautious. If you're in central Nebraska listening to us, uh, God bless and dealing with your own snowfall there and friends up in Columbus, be safe as well. Reminder about buckling up nearly 70% of fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt, if used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Good stuff today, recapping uh, Tampa and uh, Green Bay and Kansas City and what they did to the Bills. Did you see Searles' video? Him jumping through the table? Yeah, Searles was down there, and Searles was off the back of a pickup bed. Going, you know, trying to get, uh, I guess, made in the the Bills Mafia and landed on the folding table because that's part of your indoctrination. It's not mm-hmm. quite, you know, pricking your finger or cutting your palm, but nonetheless, it's still gutsy. 
and Searles not only uh, made a made a violent landing and was okay, but then crushed his bush light. Yeah, that, that was the the most impressive. First off, for a guy with like ankle and leg injuries and knee st- stuff in his past, like take some balls. Mm. Um, but the fact that he held a beer the entire that's why the guy's a professional athlete or a former professional athlete. He held his He's beer the entire lineman. time. He's a lineman because <laughs> he can hang on to that beer. I mean, didn't even spill a drop. No. No, and, and he got it hammered down. Tough one for Buffalo. Josh Allen. That was hilarious. Because you've seen the videos of, of Josh Allen flipping the football back to Nate Gary when he was at Nebraska after his fifth interception. All the way around. Nate Gary flipping the ball to him. But yeah. Well, he handed, Gary handed the ball. And then he threw it back. And then Allen flipped it, just chucked it. Well, <laughs> somebody pushed that button again because the whistle was blowing. You had Okafer ripped down. Uh, or was in pursuit of Josh Allen, and then Allen got pissed and, and flipped the ball back, and then it, it 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 got loose. And here's Josh Allen from yesterday, after the game, <laughs> going, "Yeah, it was chippy, and my emotions got the best of me." Um, obviously, a lot of emotion. Um, anytime you don't finish the season um, with the win, you know, I feel like that's the type of emotion you're going to have. Um, but the way it ended. You know, it doesn't sit right with me that how chippy and ticky tacky got. And, um, you know, I'm disappointed in myself that I let my emotions get to me there. And uh, it's not how, not how you're supposed to get to play the game of football. And- he was not being electrocuted despite what the old Zoom call sounded like. But good for him kind of owning up. But I also like his fire. And I really appreciate his linemen doing a, doing a marvelous job of not only coming to, to protect him, which says a lot. There are some quarterbacks that if uh, the guy's posterizing or standing over awkwardly uh, a quarterback, there's some quarterbacks that like the guys hate playing for. They won't help him. That's the uh, exact opposite of Josh Allen. Buffalo's right there. Stephon Diggs, like, soaking that in, staring the whole time. He's been so close a couple of times mm-hmm. with Minnesota, now Buffalo. Buffalo's there. They're right there. Let's see if they can take that next step, except it's going to be really tough with, with the Chiefs and how young and talented they are. I mean, they're they're there. I was ready to jump through a table on Super Bowl Sunday if they would have beat the Chiefs yesterday. You were going. I was going. I got you. Back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Take care. Be safe. Thanks.